Hey everybody, it's Ron from the Nerd Life Crisis Podcast Network, here to talk to you today about SpinWiz Comics. SpinWizComics.com is an indie comics discovery platform. It's designed to help comic book readers find new content, with over 60 publishers and over 400 different comic titles to choose from, and growing every week. Most of the content right now is free to read, but there are options available to purchase PDFs and support creators you read the most. And right now, as part of the promotion, IB Comics is offering the first four issues of Grace, free to read. And for all you music fans out there, the first 28 pages of Legba's Juke Joint, Volume 1. You can read all of these for free at spinwizcomics.com. So if you're a content creator out there, check it out. It's a no-hassle platform whose core goal is to help with awareness, to essentially take your comic book and put it out there for new readers. It's as easy as uploading a couple of PDFs, toss them into a Dropbox or Google, and within a day, your stuff will be online and available for purchase or for new readers to check out. SpinWizComics.com. Check it out today. Have you ever walked by a person on the street and wondered, what's their deal? Or, or been curious about what it's like to be a policeman, or a musician, or, or even just young? Well, welcome to My Life App, a podcast that delves into the comedic lives and experience of normal people and says, hey, tell me about your life. The first episode of this exciting new podcast drops Wednesday, August 5th. So hit that subscribe button, give us a like, and follow us on the Nerd Life Crisis Podcast Network. Hope you enjoy. Direct from the beautiful Inland Blue Studios, honey. This is the Nerd Life Crisis Podcast with your host, that fine ass Chris Thayer, that beautiful Steve Hill, and that big hunk of chunk of meat, Ron Mills. Woo, mama's hot up in here. Let's get this party started. All right, everybody, and welcome back to the Nerd Life Crisis Podcast. Here with your host today. Mike Jones, Mike Eastman, and I'm Ron Miltz. Hey guys, we're back finally. I know, right? Uh, we are sitting here in the lovely uh, California Cabana, which uh, takes place in the backyard of the Miltz Via Homestead. Um, it was a former pool house uh, right out of uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High that had black mold that I turned into a lovely sitting area. So it was good times, right? And now we're we're feeling very bougie. <laughs> Yeah, this wasn't me. My house at one point. <laughs> yeah, the, the running joke was when we were first bought the house and we'd party here all the time. Uh, this is where Mike would come and uh, uh, live when he was evicted from his place in Colton. So <laughs> Chateau Eastman. Yes, <laughs> they tore down the walls. I've been I've been displaced by uh, gentrification. So. <laughs> Mike, at that point, Mike uh, uh, Eastman was living above a mortuary. Um, no longer active mortuary. It was a dead mortuary. Like this was. That's. <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting way to describe it. It just was funny because the first time I went to this quote unquote house, um, I I pulled up and I look. I'm like, this is this is like an industrial neighborhood. And Mike's like, yeah, I have an apartment above. And you go upstairs and you open the door and it was like the most like the most bachelor pad pad I had ever seen in my life. We had a a curbside couch that became our couch. Excellent. 
Uh, and my roommate would sit on the couch in his underwear and clean his guns, and uh, all it was surrounded by the entire uh, circle of used uh, cup of noodles. <laughs> yes, and hot pocket uh, sleeves. Uh, it was, it was. Like, if you think anything that Todd or uh, uh, we or anybody else in, in Our college— old roommates. Yeah, yes. anybody that ever did anything like that was bad. Nothing was worse than the time I walked in. And I was, like, going to use the bathroom, and I'm all, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, good, it was a good size, and that's what I liked about it. Like, my room, I was able to have a bed and a futon for when ladies wanted to come over. <laughs> Because they didn't want to sleep in Mike's bed. Apparently, yeah. yeah. So, like, the two times it happened, it was great. I had all these options. (laughs) That's that's when you upgrade above a twin. I'm just... Oh, I had a king. (laughs) I had a king size and a futon in one room. Okay. It was, like I said, it was where the morticians used to live above their shop. So, like, it was 1930s, uh, 1920s, 1930s. So, it was a good size. Like, I think, like, 11... It's, like, the size of my house, basically. Like, 1,100 square feet. Wow. And we were paying six fifty a month total. (laughs) Is this 1986? No, no. not that long ago. It's like ago. the mid 2000s. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Because I only got my house, yeah, seven years ago. So, well, okay. Yeah. So, anyways, Mike's Mortuary. It was yeah. uh, the it scariest was... place you'd ever been to, and there were no dead people, which was even funnier. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, guys, how's uh, how's your quarantine been? Everybody doing okay? Doing okay. Uh, it's it's been what eight and a half years since we last recorded. Uh, uh, something like that. So, yeah. yeah I mean, it's hard to keep track during quarantine. Uh, but trying to, uh, just doing, you know, honeydew list around the house. Uh, as soon as I'm done building one project, the wife has a great idea for another project. What are you building now? Cause I know you got a, a haunted mansion room. Wait, yeah. wait, you got a haunted mansion room? Yes. Yeah. It's, now that's, that's been in our house for years. That, I did not build that during quarantine. My only question is how hard was it to get the hanging body into the room? A lot easier than you think. Okay, good times. Yes, good time. uh, it's uh, my wife and I. We uh, we do not have children, so we have lots of money and lots of time. And the rest of us that do hate you. Just so yes, you know, you're welcome. Okay, uh, <laughs> uh, but we turned in turned one of the bedrooms in our home into our library. It is our home library where we store all of our books. But uh, we themed it to the haunted mansion, so the walls are uh, purple and it's filled with. Uh, memorabilia from the ride and art that's inspired by the ride. It's, it's like even like reupholstered some chairs and stuff like that. I oh, saw. Yeah. Like it was just it, yeah, it's legit. It's not just like I'm gonna paint the wall purple. Like no, it's 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 really creative and cool. That's, it's thank you, thank you. It's it's a it's a labor of love. I mean, my wife and I. It's it's both of our favorite ride. I proposed to her in front of the haunted mansion. Uh, when we got married, we had a backdrop of the exterior of the haunted mansion is what we stood in front of for our wedding vows. Uh, so, yeah, we're we're kind of into that ride. A little bit, yeah, yeah just a, yeah. just a little bit. <laughs> it, it's healthy, though. Is it, though? Yeah, is just it? ask me. I'll tell you. <laughs> okay, good times, good times. How about you, Mike? What you been up to? Uh, I painted my spare red bedroom, not a Haunted Mansion theme, but black, so I can uh, oh. do magic shows in there and recording and stuff like that. So, once again, the joys of being a uh, child-free person i can i can invest in webcams and go okay i'm gonna i'm gonna perform magic shows online for people you're, you're, you're like like two steps away from having your own only fans account there so just be careful all right? actually a lot of magicians do have only fans account <laughs> oh it's very disappointing you're like oh oh there's no. Oh. no nudity i know just 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 wands so you're getting a room where you're gonna do magic the gathering in the whole time no no not magic the gathering <laughs> 
Shows of Magic the Gathering. I do magic with cards, shuffle. but not magic cards. Oh, oh, well, that's that's disappointing. I was yes. I was really looking forward. Different to that. type of nerd. <laughs> oh well, you know, I mean, I thought that fit perfectly with this show. Not you, you know, doing prestidigitation or anything like that. So I, I would I would argue that magic tricks are pretty nerdy. Oh, it's like owning a, an accordion, which I do as well. Like it just it puts you in a special category of nerdum. <laughs> I'm sorry, you own an accordion. I as own well? an accordion and I perform magic, and I'm single. <laughs> and shocking. Nobody... Send all your uh, inquiries to uh, <laughs> at Mike Eastman at Nerd Life Crisis Podcast. No, nobody is surprised by that. Like not even on a scale of one to ten. Neither is my ex girlfriend. So. <laughs> Oh, how's that going, by the way? You guys still uh, living a uh, sitcom life where she's living with you? Yes, uh, she's my roommate right now. Uh, she's still searching for a home in quarantine time. Uh, quarantine, quarantine. Uh, but yeah, I uh, love that. That sounds like a a lost uh, track from like an Alice in Wonderland. You know, they're like, well, we had to cut quarantine for time. Yeah, See? yeah, that that would work. <laughs> Quarantine, quarantine, everybody here, it's quarantine. It's very Mary Poppins kind of feel. Yeah, well, I, I'm not, I, I mean, Disney borrows a lot of stuff from its own, you know? That's so it, they just remake the same 10 things over and over. <laughs> yeah. And but then that's just, all of Hollywood. Yeah. Oh, my God. So uh, we we went up to the mountains. Uh, I've been doing work for uh, my father-in-law on the house up there. And um, they have a VCR there. Ooh. Well, first off, they have one of everything. It's one of those houses. So we've been getting rid of that shit on OfferUp um, because we started going through the garage in the house, and we discovered they had five extra VCRs in the house because, you know. One breaks down. Not, 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 there's one attached to the main TV. There was one attached to a VCR TV combo upstairs, and then five extra ones because, you know, just in case, right? Um, and first off, who knew that when you put a VCR on offer up, it sells like within ten fucking minutes. Like it's well, where else can you get them? Apparently nowhere. Um, Not even Walmart sells VCRs anymore. All of our stuff is priced to sell as well. You're like, oh, you need a VCR? Twenty dollars. It's yours. And people are like, is this available? Can I pick it up now? Um, so yeah, that that was the first part of it. Um, and then uh, on top of it, it's like this multitude of furniture, like they're furniture collectors, you know. Um, so everywhere you go, there's like shit tons of furniture. So we've been getting rid of all that on OfferUp as well. But the okay. reason I tell this story is because uh, they have the largest collection of Disney VHS tapes I have ever seen in my life up in the mountains. <laughs> nice. Including four copies of Aladdin because, you know, if one is not enough. You they need... have five VCRs. They need five <laughs> copies. They can watch them all in surround sound. So each room can have its own copy of Aladdin. Yeah. So my son has discovered VHS tapes, which I think is hilarious. And he's discovered Robin Hood, which on VHS. Uh, so he goes back and rewatches the Little John, uh, the whistling segment. Yes. And he watches the end chase sequence. And I can hear him going, like, laughing uproariously. And then I hear. <laughs> and he's, it just, but it's like this not. So literally, he was upstairs while I was working on something um, um, for like an hour, rewatching the same sequence again and again and again. And I was like, son, you're going to ruin the, you're going to ruin the rewind on this VCR. <laughs> you got to, you got to let the shit play through, you know? That reminds me, it's. When I was a kid, we got our first VCR. It had to be 83 or 84, and we recorded a movie, a made-for-TV movie, off the TV onto the tape, and that was the first time we had ever recorded anything. What movie was it? It's a made-for-TV movie called Poison Ivy, starring Michael J. Fox and Nancy McKeon. Uh, I it's weirdly... a summer camp movie. <laughs> Disbro don't lie. 
Yeah. That's, <laughs> Timmy Mezzi swimming the lake. My brothers and I can recite this entire movie because it was the only movie we owned and we did not yet have a membership to a video store. So that was all we watched over and over. And our remote for our VCR was connected by a wire. It wasn't even a wireless remote. So somebody had to sit within 10 feet of the VCR. And we would, and we learned if you just hold the rewind button, you can watch the movie backwards. <laughs> so we would watch the movie, then watch it backwards, then watch the movie, watch it backwards, over and over and over again. Okay, so I'm curious, what is this movie about? It's a summer camp movie. Uh, Michael J. Fox is a camp counselor. Uh, Nancy McKeon is the the camp nurse. Uh, Nancy course, McKeon from Facts of Life fame. Facts of Life, Joe. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Michael J. Fox, of course, has a romantic interest in her, but she keeps brushing him off. Well, she's a lesbian, so it's you know not in that movie. Um, I just assumed and, that because of who Joe, like Joe, was definitely for all of us in the '80s. That was like my first TV lesbian. Oh, absolutely. And at a certain point, like when I was eight, I didn't realize it, but when I was like 15, I was like, that girl definitely likes other girls, and I dig that. Yeah. So, you know, she was cool. She was the cool one. Yeah. Um, so but there's it's a summer camp movie. So all the kids in the camp, there's a whole story with them. And uh, uh, well, this is like a second chance movie waiting for a place to happen. So tell me oh, more. I, it's I, I highly recommend it if you can find it anywhere. I think it might be on YouTube. <laughs> Uh, Borrow Mike Jones's VHS copy. <laughs> I, we wore that thing out. I don't think it would play anymore. Oh, speaking of that, my son goes, uh, I don't know, Dad, something's wrong with it. He was watching 101 Dalmatians. He's like, something's wrong. Like, when I get halfway through the movie, it starts, like, the sound goes bad. He goes, I don't think I can watch the whole movie. I go, that's what VHS tapes, son. It's what they do. Like, just get past that part, and it'll be fine. And he goes, nah, I just, he goes, I go, what's it sound like? And he goes, <laughs> <laughs> Zool is in my tape. <laughs> well, I mean, as a kid that's only ever grown up, like he lives in a world where Netflix is a thing. Like digital we, world, we yeah, have physical D- media is a thing of the past. Yeah, but I mean, we have a shit ton of DVDs and Blu-rays and HD DVDs and VHS tapes um, because I believe in physical media. Um, uh, because it's it's one of those things where um, if you don't have it, it disappears. And if the fact that like almost all of the uh, Fox movies from the silent era are gone due to two studio fires. Um, Like that doesn't tell you enough. It's like, you want to keep that physical media because at a certain point, like, uh, like as Disney buys up Fox, they're taking stuff off and putting it in the vault, you know, which is why I'm like, well, good. I'm glad I have my copy of raising Arizona because you can't buy it right now because Disney's put it in the vault. I mean, server space, it's it's a thing and they're not going to make every movie ever made continuously available for all time no fuck no like no and so if your movie the, the movie that you enjoy that's no longer popular it's not gonna stick around you better have a copy of it because it's just not gonna be around well and especially the older i get some of these movies that i really loved it's like you can't find them anywhere like you go i want to stream explorers from 1985 yeah and like it's not available to stream like i had to basically go oh i bought a physical copy for like four dollars off of Amazon yeah. and had a ship because I'm like I, I want to watch this and it's just not available, you know. Um, it was like I wanted to watch Weird Science and I don't own a copy of Weird Science, which I thought I did, and it was like trying to find it was impossible. I couldn't find it anywhere, you know. Yeah, well, uh, with uh, Wilford Brimley dying, rest in peace, uh, diabetes. Um, 
uh, a friend of mine. <laughs> what? I, is the rest in peace for him or for diabetes? Di- diabetes is definitely not. I like dead. how that's his tagline now. It's like, it is. From, you know, diabetes man. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's how, how he, people know him. You used to say cocoon. Not, yeah, not cocoon. But millennials don't know com- cocoon. That's a Gen X thing. The guy who looks like the grumpy cat. Yes, exactly. Mike, do you know how how old are you now? I just I turned forty five in March. So he was, I think, forty nine or fifty when they yeah. shot Cocoon. Yeah, and I'm all, he has looked eighty five since his the entire 80s. life. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. He's like him and Patrick Stewart, you know. Yeah. So, well, it's in in honor of his passing. A friend of mine watched one of his movies, uh, which I had totally forgotten, which I loved. Remo Williams. Oh, dude, Remo Williams, the legend continu- uh, yes. continues. Love that movie. That movie's awesome, and it stars. It's uh, Wilford Brimley is in that. Yes, um, but the only way you can see it streaming is on some sketchy, sketchy ass website. Is it Crackle? No, it's not. Crackle's even... Netflix for poor people. I don't know no, if you knew the... that or not. So. I don't even. It's like no. Crack Magazine was uh, <laughs> Mad Magazine for poor people. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, the website. It's 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 a it's one of those websites where. It's the beginning of word dot and then the like the last two or three letters of that same word. Oh, so you're like definitely streaming out of like Abu Dhabi or some out shit of like Eastern that. Eastern Europe yeah. somewhere. Yeah, yeah. it's, or it's Kazakhstan. An old, yeah. yeah, Russian block <laughs> technology. Yeah, there you it's, go. It's, in Romania, movie watches you. Yeah, it's 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 kind of sketchy, but it's, thank you, Yakov. <laughs> uh, it's it's sketchy, but worth it because I mean that is a great movie. Remo Williams, The Adventure Continues. Well, let's talk real quick. Let's finish up your second chance movie. So what was the name of this movie again? Poison Ivy. I, and not the one with uh, not, Drew Barrymore, right? No, no, no. Okay. No. this It's, it's like I said, made for TV. I don't know what network made it. <laughs> I don't remember Back that. Back when they had 10, so there's not a lot to choose from. True, yeah. Um, First off, 10 is generous. There was never, <laughs> there was always three. It was CBS, ABC, and uh, NBC. Yeah, and then when remember Fox came around, and all of a sudden you're like, "What is this? It's the new Whoa. Bad Boy Channel." <laughs> it was. They got it the Simpsons edgy. and cops, dude. Married with children, like oh, get yeah. it straight, get it straight. Uh, but yeah, uh, Poison Ivy. Uh, you have the adventures of the the kids, the campers. Uh, one of the little boys in in that camp. He's the nerdy little boy. He falls in love with the nurse as well, Nancy McKeon, and he starts writing her poems. She thinks they're coming from Michael J. Fox. So it's like Cyrano meets Meatballs. It, it, yeah, it, <laughs> that's what it says on the back of the DHS cover. Uh, one of the one of the kids is he can't swim. Timmy Mezzi, he can't swim, and uh, at the end of the camp, you know, the stay at camp, there's this whole almost like Olympic events of each cabin competes against the other cabins, and he has to swim. And everyone knows he can't. It's and so the camp, his uh, campmates, help him learn how to swim. So they break into like the the head counselor's cabin that has a bathtub, and they teach him how to float on his back. And they teach him how to swim in a bathtub, which, yeah, uh, dispos- uh, disillusion of belief. I don't. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> Their production budget was tight. They only had the lake for a day. Pretty much, yeah. It's, it's it's a very entertaining movie show that I have not seen in 30 years. 
So I can't wait to watch it. And I'm definitely, this goes right around hand in hand with like the Star Wars Christmas album. So I am looking forward to that. To Poison Ivy. <laughs> so speaking of, uh, to transition off of our second chance movie there yeah. into uh, uh, streaming platforms, which has been a big conversation because, you know, we've all been stuck at home during the quarantine. Yeah. Um, so now I have uh, gotten, uh, we now have HBO Max, mm-hmm. which I'm like, uh, it was, I was kind of surprised. Like they had more content than I expected. Um, but it wasn't, you know, it's not like gonna, it didn't blow me away in the way that I thought it would. So it's like, it had the HBO stuff and then there was some DC stuff on there, which I was like, you know, I've started watching Doom Patrol, which will, I hadn't watched, but I heard good things about. Um, and I'm, but what I'm really looking forward to obviously is they're going to release the Snyder cut of Justice League next year. Um, and we haven't really talked about it on the show, um, partially because it's when we were down, uh, was when that news came out. And then Chris absolutely hates everything. So having a conversation with him about the Snyder Cut <laughs> is very difficult um, because he's like, no, that's fucking lame. It's stupid. Blah, 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 blah. Um, but I, I, for you guys, first off, do any of you guys like any of the DC movies? Uh, Shazam. I like Shazam. Okay. Shazam was really good. Yeah. I I have never really been a DC fan. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Batman has always been the exception because he's Batman. Um, I, well, I, let me put it to you this way. We have milked the fucking Batman teat as much as I think one person needs to. Yes. It, Coming it, again with Robert I, Pattinson. Ba- Batman could take a break for a decade or so. Forever. <laughs> I never, I, I mean, literally, I think we've had like 12 Batman movies at this point. And, and, and all different versions. Like, it's like we've seen every angle on Batman. Yeah, I mean, and and, not, and that's including like Batman villains. Like, you, yeah. it, I don't need any more Batman. Like, you've got a whole library worth of superheroes. And I know Batman's super fucking interesting, but it's like, I, I don't need any more if Batman. If you put the writing effort in, you can make other characters interesting as well. I mean, look at Mar- that's what Marvel's exceeded in is making non-interesting characters, or characters that wouldn't be interesting in a modern setting. I have no interest in Doctor Strange. Like, I've read Doctor Strange comics, and they do nothing for me. I enjoyed the movie. I love the Doctor Strange movie. Well, it's like, how many of us would want to sit down and read Guardians of the Galaxy, the comic book? The original Guardians of the Galaxy is stupid. It was a flop. The whole, I mean, it wasn't a flop, but it it wasn't a top-tier comic. I, I don't know anyone that had that on their weekly list yeah but i mean it's like all of the marvel space stuff which is weird because that's what their movie is like pushing toward all their movie stuff but all their space stuff like star jammers and all that it was kind of like this was all lame and it was all from the late 70s and and it was like not i mean you had to be of a certain age to have read that shit like all the cool stuff was like x-men uh avengers uh you know like fantastic four like that was the hot like commodities you know and it was like even like the Iron Man Thor stuff by the time you hit the 90s was like nobody cared about that. It was that. played out. It was uh, like- and that the fact that that became the big hit out of the MCU has always blown my mind, you know. Um, but with the DC comics, like I've really enjoyed Zack Snyder's take on a real world version of these superheroes because the reality is is the Marvel characters are fun. All those movies are fun, and they don't do well with, like, darker subject matter or the way they present it, it gets skirted over very quickly, you know? Like, Iron Man 2 sort of tried to go into the alcoholism but ran away from it as quickly as, you know, they introduced it. The the 13 jokes per scene. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and while that makes for good movies, like, good entertaining movies, I don't know that there's as much depth. And I like that Snyder took something that was very like like let's be real like we we had five superman movies before uh man of steel came out and it was like let's take a different look at this story 
you know, and I really like Man of Steel. Now, do I love like the Jonathan Kent portrayal? Not as much as the original one, but then I went back and rewatched like the Christopher Reeve, Jonathan Kent yeah. stuff. I'm all, this fool's in the movie, like not at all. Like, why do mm-hmm. I care about this character? It's like Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben's there just long enough to die and then be like, Peter, with great power comes yeah. great responsibility, you know? Um, but, it, and to me, the Snyderverse, while it had like some downs and a lot of it I felt was like studio interference. Um, when you watch the director's cuts of these movies, especially the Batman versus Superman, is a much better film. Like I walked out of the theater and I like hated um, Batman versus Superman more than life itself. Like I hated it. Okay. Um, and then I watched the extended cut and I was like, oh, here's all the plot in this movie that is the reason I hated it. Like all the action pieces are still there where they should be, but there's 35 minutes more of plot to make all this come together and make more sense. So now I'm, I am looking forward to the Snyder cut. Sure. I, I, I really would like to see what his vision was. Mm-hmm. Absolutely looking forward to that. My problem is with Hollywood in general. He is the director. There shouldn't be a Snyder cut. If you don't want the director's vision, that's not how it works, dude. You know but that. But it, it's <laughs> but it shouldn't work that way. Yeah, but then like the reality is is that in and for all times, Hollywood is not about like art. It's about money. And they are going to do whatever. That's why there's such thing as audience testing. That's why all these movies go through tons of reshoots. Um, Because basically, like, the original vision is never the final vision in Hollywood. This isn't a stage play. And even stage plays, like new works, they go through, like, out-of-town testing and everything. Like, all this shit is run through a ringer, like, a hundred times over till the originality is, like, sucked from it. And it turns into a Fast and Furious movie. Well, that's it's also just fine-tuning. I mean, there's there's countless stories of movies that have been saved by audience testing. Obviously, there's way more movies that have been ruined by audience testing and things like that and studio interference. But there is still a precedent for it being a good resource to utilize with discretion. You know, the, actually looking at the data and going, okay, this we've seen this. This scene does not test well every time we've done it. Maybe we need to change the scene. Or people always say it lags in this part. Yeah. Maybe we need to, you know, edit and cut some stuff where people are confused by this. So it's like there is a purpose for it. And, you know, and I get some things, you know, you, we can't have, you know, every, when you have a three-hour-long movie, you're not going to get as much dollars in butts and seats as you will with a two-and-a-half-hour or two-hour movie. True. So, there, you know, it makes sense sometimes, you know, reining in the artist because, you know, as a director myself, sometimes we we can get a little bloated and, you know, get uh, see our only vision. So I think a good team is still responsible. Um, but, I mean, I, I'm for the, the Snyder Cut. I'm not a huge Zack Snyder fan. I think it's going to be better than what we saw because I think Justice League was one of the worst movies I've seen. Um, so I think it's going to be a Batman uh, versus Superman situation where I didn't like Batman versus Superman in theaters. I haven't seen the extended cut like Ron has, the uh-huh. director's cut. Um, it's great. I mean, look, the, the the thing with the director's cut for me, and this was the big difference, is that Lex Luthor in the movie version, in the theatrical cut, doesn't really do anything. He just sort of is there, right? In the theatrical or the extended edition, there's all these machinations that are in place that are, and there's this whole understory about uh, like there's this woman and uh, the testifies before Congress and she gets murdered and you see that it's like Lex is pulling the strings the whole time to force these two together. 
not in such a way where in the movie it just feels like Batman's going out to fucking fuck him up, you know? Yeah. Um, but you see that Lex is pulling the strings and pulling the strings. Ooh, just hit my mic. Uh, and there's like all of this undercurrent going on underneath the regular story. And Superman gets more time, whereas the original movie was like not Batman versus Superman. It was Batman with guest appearances by Superman until the uh, the third act, you know? Yeah. Um, whereas the uh, this movie, you see more of... Superman's angle and what's happening and then when it all comes together you're like oh that Lex oh this was like this was well done like I see all the points being put together as opposed to it just being like we're just going to get these two guys together to fight each other for no apparent reason like they, there was a legitimate push to like make them dislike each other and make it seem and that th and you don't think like oh well 30 minutes of extra footage but that's a huge amount of of stuff going on, you yeah, know? Usually it's like an entire act of a movie. Generally. Yeah. And so you figure most movies are 90 minutes long, and that one was like two hours and 25 minutes, and they're like, we don't want a three-hour movie. And you're like, well, but the dude told a three-hour story. Yeah. So either Harry Potter this shit and split it up into two different films, you know? Uh, and that's what they needed to do, because they hadn't, you know, they were trying to do a lot in that movie, like establishing who Batman is sure. in this universe and things like that. And I think... That's what my problem with the DC universe as a whole is they haven't taken the time to establish things. They keep trying, like they, you know, they did the death of Superman in the freaking second film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, DC has made a ton of mistakes. I, what I will say is that um, I, I think the assumption was is that the audience already knows who these characters are. We don't need to reestablish them. And I think that the Spider-Man reboots this last iteration has already basically laid the groundwork for that, which is we don't need to do another origin story. Yeah. Like this has been done. I don't need to see fucking Batman fall down another well. And I hope Matt Reeves is taking note of that or whoever the fucking, I think he's the director of the new Batman movie. Um, sure. uh, but it's like it, we, we as a culture know who Batman is. Um, and we don't need to talk about that. And the entire sixties film, they mentioned his father or his parents getting killed like twice in the sixties, uh, yeah. Batman 66 Batman because it wasn't brooding it's just... yeah but it, it's not I mean it's good like we get it the dude like lost his like they're not around you know it's him it's the old butler it's the young kid he hangs out with and fights people like all these things like they're just he's a detective also I would like to see Batman detect again at some point yes. um, which is part of what we get in the Batman Superman Dawn of Justice now I will say this Zack Snyder uh, that version of the DC Universe uh, there's a reason they call it the Murderverse um, mm -hmm. because there's a lot of people that get killed yeah but in a real world situation, I think superheroes would kill a lot of people. Yeah, I I think that's the boys and sort of you know uh, uh, what we're watching with Umbrella Academy. Yeah, like this whole like well superheroes don't kill people thing. That's like brought out of the '60s with the comics book code, you know. Um, and it uh, for someone who has those types of powers to not kill someone would have to be an absolute you know decision. It would have to be a concentrated effort not to kill humans when you punch them in the face with the strength of Superman. Right. You know, I mean, it's he would have to be like, oh, I really have to pull back on this. Because any little effort from someone who has, is as strong as him is going to kill a normal sure. mortal human. Collateral like, damage as well. Exactly. And that's one of the – I, I despise Superman. I, I really do not like him as a – character uh but he's it's perfect he's, he's the, he's the immigrant story dude like that's what's beautiful about superman well he, it's for my biggest my biggest beef with superman is his name uh because he, he's not a man well he's not a man he is an alien 
and he's not super because when other aliens from his planet come here, they're he just as powerful as, as him. That is super. <laughs> yeah, they are just as powerful as he is. So, so he is actually an average alien. Well, and what we find when he fights Zod, the average he's... alien equals Superman. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about which side of the fence you're on. <laughs> so what you're saying is, if a human went to Krypton, he would be he would be below average Kryptonian. Would be his super. His super be, name below average, be average human, yeah, but, the, but he would be an alien, yeah, lame, but lame if, alien. If he's super, if if a Kryptonian comes to Earth and he's Superman, then if a, a, a human went to Krypton, he'd be below average Kryptonian. Basically, yes, absolutely. And yes, I would totally watch the weekly adventures of below average Kryptonian. That sounds fun. <laughs> that that would be an excellent comic. Imagine Earth imagine. is blowing up, so these people put their baby in a little shuttle. <laughs> and he shows up, but he's not really strong enough to. He's like, "Stop, you!" And then <laughs> the just, gravity's so heavy here, I can't <laughs> run very fast or jump at all. <laughs> this, I, I think, this is a great idea for a comic. That there is a human that made it to Krypton. Krypton and that is why Krypton exploded. Oh my God! Like he can't save Krypton, or no, he caused because he's so He has Krypton. to use his brain to solve problems. He can't use any kind of physical prowess. That oh, I, is... I, yeah, I, I kind of dig where this is going. So, but but because he's so disliked, because he's so below average, and he's picked on by all the Kryptonians and their Absolutely. flashy garb. Yeah, in his little fist, uh, he's wearing Crocs and cargo shorts. <laughs> What would his seal be? So, like, all the Kryptonians have a seal, you know. Yeah, so true. his his could be like a, a like a guy in a wheelchair. I don't know. <laughs> I don't, is that offensive? Like a... the, the accessible symbol. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh, so, anyways, um, uh, but yeah, like I, I'm interested to see because once again, the Snyderverse was dark. Uh, Justice League. We got done watching Justice League, and it, it's a fine movie, but it really, yeah, but it really wants to be. A Marvel movie, like everything about it, and to the point where literally, like the storyline that they end up telling is kind of the same story that we get in the Infinity War and Game Saga, yeah, uh, without the time travel, you know, um, where it's basically like the heroes come together, the guy he's like, you know, uh, and and I always felt like the um, the design uh, of the the main bad guy, Steppenwolf, Steppenwolf, thank you, um, whose name escaped me in that moment, but uh, the design of Steppenwolf, I was like, it's kind of like budget thanos like the original design when you see the creature with the mother box in the yeah. i mean that looked scary like if the the new gods were gonna look like that then then you've got something i think that and then the entire like you know the third act of that film where it's like they go and it's like you've got the point of view of the people hiding out in their house you know that that felt totally shoehorned into justice league yeah and then it's like everything's red for some unapparent reason you know, like none of the other movies have had this look. It's in Russia, Ron. <laughs> everything, everything there is red. Uh, I hate you. Don't people. you know your history? <laughs> look at the map. The whole country is colored red. I can send you some links on Facebook. Oh, I hate you guys so much. <laughs> yeah, I just I'm 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 looking forward to it. But so the question now is that since you know we're all willing to watch. What does that say? Are like, are we going to start to see a lot of other director's cuts? Because so like David Ayers has piped up now and been like, hey, the Suicide Squad you saw in the movie theaters was not the Suicide Squad I shot originally. Um, they made me go back and put in all that funny bullshit that yeah. like, you know, because the trailer hit in such a way and and to the point where the people that edited the trailer edited the movie together, you know, and you can see when you watch Suicide Squad, there's these scenes that are like super serious 
uh, that sort of like you're like well tonally it doesn't fit with some other parts of this movie but you have like the uh, uh, um, you know the uh, what's his I can never remember the names of the people in the Suicide Squad because nobody gave a crap well yeah but you had like these moments like when they were all in the bar okay where the one good scene well yeah and David Ayers is like that was the tone of the rest of the movie was that scene not what it ended up being you know and he's like so it's like would you want to see like a director's cut of Suicide Squad I would. My only worry is the, the cynical part of my mind. I mean, hopefully, optimistically, be like, yeah, this is great. Hopefully, studios will finally learn their lesson and let directors make things instead of, uh, you know, like Suicide Squad was edited by a, a team that does trailers. Yeah. And, and, like, it, and it felt like it. Yeah. <laughs> like it had three introductions per character kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I'm hoping that, you know, that leads to that basically with the studio taking a backseat. But my fear is the studio going, hey, we can put out a Suicide Squad or a Justice League, which doesn't make the money we want, but still makes some money. And then five years later, we can drop a director's cut and make even more money. Double dip. Yeah, we can, We can. you know, instead of putting out the special edition, we're going to put out the crappy edition, which people are going to go see in theaters because people always want to go see a movie in theaters. And then five years later, we'll put actually the good version out or the watchable version out that's, you know, survived some kind of, you know, studio meddling. And it's a way for them to kind of double yeah as you said double dip on this property well i think like blade runner is like the perfect example of studio meddling because i i remember growing up it was like you watch this movie and it had all this voiceover with harrison ford Uh and i I remember as a kid having seen it and then when i bought it i i didn't realize it but i bought the director's version on dvd the first time and i watched it and there was no narration and it had like a slightly and i was like what is like this movie's brilliant like well, you you introduced that to me. Uh, There's like what four different versions of Blade Runner? Well, that yeah. I mean, look, dude, the Blade Runner movie, like the best versions of it are the director's cut. All the voiceover stuff. When you go back and rewatch it now, you're like, this is. I don't want any of yeah. this. You I know? don't know if you remember this in the mid '90s, uh, the University Movie Theater. Yeah. Here in Riverside, uh, you and I went to the Midnight Madness showing of Blade Runner. Yes, and we it did. Was the, the director's, director's cut. cut, and it was amazing because i had seen the reg the theatrical cut yeah. i had never seen the director's cut before and we went and saw that and it was excellent yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean you wonder about certain films where it's like and and like for me like aliens yeah aliens is a great movie the director's cut of aliens is even better yeah uh it just and it adds 20 minutes more of footage you mm-hmm. know um, I like the, I, I mean, everybody bitches about Avatar all the time, but I really like the director's cut of Avatar as well. It's just long. I prefer all, like, I, Lord of the Rings. I, I remember walking out of the two towers being like, that movie felt weirdly choppy, like, when we went to see it. They left so much out. Well, yeah, and then you watch the, like, the 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 full editions, like, the four out. Now, dude, sitting in a movie theater for four hours, I don't know if I'm all about that, but at home... <laughs> You can like, pause it and walk away. Oh, yeah. But at home watching those things, I won't watch the theatrical cuts of any of those anymore because I'm like, the all the director's cuts on these are superior products, you know? Yeah. So that brings me to the question of, um, have you guys heard any of this crazy Star Wars nonsense that's going on? I have not. So there's all these YouTube channels now that have like, there's like Doomcock and Mike Zero and like all a couple of them that have really grown out of these these crazy like... We hate the sequels, Star Wars fandom, right? And so there's this crazy rumors going around that George Lucas is coming back to run Star Wars again. Like Disney wants the Lucas touch. And part of it is that they want to sort of retcon the sequel trilogy and let Lucas do his own sequel trilogy. Yeah, none of this is going to happen. (laughs) 
none of this is going these these guys you know uh stunt cock or whoever the hell he is uh the those guys are 4chan trolls sure they're trolls from 4chan and they're just getting clicks that's all they're doing this stuff for they're saying what what the incel star wars fans want to hear to get the clicks and for us real star wars fans they're, they want us to click on it to, you know, to be angry about it and things like that. So they're just they they just they're stirring the pot to get clicks and it's all clickbait and it's all garbage because Disney is not going to rewrite or re-release anything from these the uh, the sequel trilogy because they have invested so much. Now, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Let let's look at Disney in a, an objective light. Okay, they uh, they have a, a created a history right now of uh, the, la- the last few um, years of re-releasing movies that they've already released and created, just to kind of put a new spin on it. Or sometimes even with Lion King, just add thirty minutes of filler to the exact shot-for-shot remake, basically. So I don't put it past Disney to go. You know what? These didn't test well. Let's just make a new Star Wars trilogy to undo these, and we'll just give it another go because we did it with Jungle Book. We did it with you know Mulan. We did it with all these different things. You know, it's a way that they can you know erase the racism and Dumbo and things like that. Well, we have a new Dumbo now, so you don't have to worry about the old one. It's still on Disney Plus, but don't worry about it. We made a new <laughs> one. Um, Disney has shown this kind of callous nature of just kind of going hey you like this thing well don't worry we're not taking it away it's still available on disney plus but here's a new version of it because our attention span is you know five years old so okay let's let's pull this thread just a little let's say that disney does decide that they're gonna let george lucas make the sequels he never got to make right okay um and they're gonna the the you know the rumor is the veil of the force which we've talked about from uh, rebels. Yeah. Um. This idea of uh basically that's how Ahsoka gets saved was through you know time travel. And let's say that they do do this. One, are they gonna get um, uh, Ben Solo to come back? Because you got to have Ben Solo to come back. You don't have Carrie Fisher at this point. Nope. Um. Uh, do we just assume that Ray is not a thing? Like, how does all how does any of this work? Like, do they do they go back and retcon it so um, so Luke uh, the Emperor stays dead and so there's no Emperor clones? Um, so Ray never happens. Uh, do they? But you got you can't. It doesn't work without Ben Solo. Like, you got to get him on board. Adam Driver has to be a part of this. Yes. So uh, so do we get an entire set of movies with good Adam Driver? Which I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I, I kind of would want to watch that. It would be entertaining, but it's the, it would be so much work and it would be so convoluted, it wouldn't work. I think the only way to do it would be to say, yeah, those movies happened. This is a different timeline, different world. We're not. We're going to ignore it. Do the Star Trek gonna, thing. We're not going to try to work in Easter eggs and references, and you know what's up with Ray. Let's explain this. You know, that's you know that's one of the problems I have with Disney remakes is they explain all the plot holes. They go like, oh, people, you know, made cracked you know lists of the 10 things wrong with being the beast animated movie even though it's a perfect freaking movie and they're like let's go out of our way to explain all this crap to make the movie more bloated and more confusing and <laughs> add even more plot holes and it's just like just let it be just it's a great perfect concise story um so i think if they take that approach with star wars where basically they just ignore all the the commentary and just make a brand new set of films i think it could work if they try to go in and 
show, you know, to, to you know, to address all the issues that Ron brought up, then I think it's going to be a, a, a clusterfuck. Well, I, I mean, but my question is, if you are told in 2023 that there is going to be a new Star Wars movie starring Luke Skywalker, how are you going to feel about that? How does that, like, how does the average, like, for me as an older fan, I'm like, great. I love me some Luke Skywalker. Like, make it so. Mark Hamill, like, that dude could walk on water as far as I'm concerned. Um, do I care if the sequel trilogy is put in a pocket universe? Not really. Um, it, because it's just movies to me. Like, I'm not, like, they're all movies, even though I love them unabashedly, you know? Um, but can you figure out a way to, you know, bring out Hayden Christensen and all this other stuff? Yeah, great. So one of the other rumors, is, and this has been a rumor for a while now, was that there was a George Lucas cut of The Rise of Skywalker and that there's Anakin Skywalker stuff in there and all the stuff that Matt Smith shot was in there and that, that you know, that there was all this other stuff that basically got cut out of the movie because they shot like four and a half hours worth of movie and then edited together into what we got. I'm fine with Rise of Skywalker. Like, a lot of people hate it. I, I'm like, this was fun. Like, it was a good Star Wars movie. Mm -hmm. Like, it reminded me of what Star Wars should feel like. Was it perfect? No. But tr quite literally, there hasn't been a perfect Star Wars movie since Empire Strikes Back. And even that has issues. Um, because the time, the, the yeah. amount of time does not work on that movie. Um, but I don't, you know, some of these people, like, people get butthurt about some really crazy stuff um, in films, you know? And it's like, I, I don't. I don't get bothered by it, but I'm down for any new bit of storytelling. So I'm I'm totally I am in it's because I think you know born in '75, so Episode Four came out when I was three. I think I saw it in a drive-in movie theater when I was four years old. It was a double feature of Star Wars and Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh, it's like the best double feature ever. It's amazing, yeah. <laughs> when so, you literally realize, you're like, wait, they're the same story. I watched both messiahs. <laughs> I get um, it. Uh, so, you know, it's, and then, you know, 83, we had Return of the Jedi. And so, as we grew up, you know, Ron and I are old high school friends and everything. We had zero Star Wars. Yeah, for a long time. For a very very long time i mean the only way we could get new star wars content were the books the expanded universe books timothy's on and everything and so uh it was 20 20 years dude like if you remember the 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 special editions came out in 97 yeah and like we flooded the movie theaters oh, in 97 to see star wars in a movie theater see it on the big screen oh, yeah. yeah and to see them you know they fixed all these shots and it looked yeah. great so out of a bunch of crap but at that point we didn't care I, I still most of it I don't care I yeah. like I people, I was just happy to get more Star Wars yeah, yeah. But, but not only that but it was like the original Star Wars I, I mean I know people like are always like well you know uh, it's like perfection and for the time the the yeah. special effects were great and and but they didn't even match the special effects were not even good enough to match Empire by the time Empire came yes. out three years later yeah, and they yeah. definitely didn't match Jedi. You know, by the time you get to the big space battle in Jedi, yeah. it's like you're like, holy shit, dude! Like this is a whole new level. Um, uh, but you know, listing Tie Fighters are not as exciting as you know some of the shots we get later on, where it's yeah. all and the Tie Fighters moving from left to right on my screen. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yes, <laughs> like as. But, but see, know. so I'm still of that mindset. I am still happy to be getting more Star Wars. Sure. I I I loved the sequel trilogy. Sure. All three of them. I think they're all great movies because I'm happy to be seeing more Star Wars, more story. Sure. Now, 
I just I look there. We all have issues with movies in the trilogy yeah, yeah, in the yeah. trilogies uh, in the Star Wars universe. Like I still, you know, I think the bombers in Last Jedi are dumb. I think like we like you already live in a universe where missiles exist. Why the fuck do I need a bomber that moves slower they're, than dirt? There and why would they move slow? You're in zero g. <laughs> like the weight of the ship means nothing. I, I am aware. I try like, not to. I try not to ask why questions in Star Wars <laughs> yeah. or or Indiana Jones or any of those other properties because sure. I'm like. It doesn't matter. It's just fun. This isn't real. No. Yeah. We're not bound by Earth physics. Yeah. And and I, I'm one of the people that I liked the side adventure on Canto Bright because I love the fact that it was setting up to be like they Finn and them were going to save the day. Yeah. And they didn't. They literally met Han Solo if Han Solo just took the money. Yeah. You know, and that's that to me was like the point of all that. A scoundrel it, being a scoundrel. Yes. And it was like some people are like, well, it's fucking pointless. I go, no, it's not pointless because it reinforces how good of a character. I don't mind that storytelling element. I don't. Uh, my issue is how long the Canto Bright sequence goes on with the space ponies and all that kind of uh, stuff. Yeah. But I love DJ. The, the, the whole. Oh, he's a great character. The yeah. whole thing and is, do it's you know what DJ stands space. for? Disc jockey. No, don't join. <laughs> and that's what's written in Arabesh on his hat. Don't join. Really? He does not join a side. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, but uh, you, you blow up some today, they kill you tomorrow. It's, exactly. It's Every, the same people are prophesying, <laughs> regardless who wins. Um, as far as uh, director's cuts go, I really, really, really would love to see the Rogue One director's cut. because The original? You, the original. Because when trailers. you watch the trailers, yeah. Jin Erso is carrying that data disc running across the beach towards uh, one of the Adat walkers. Yeah. That doesn't happen in the movie. Remember she the shot of the gets... TIE fighter coming up? Yeah, like, and, and yeah. facing off with her on the bridge? Yeah. None of that stuff happens. Where is that footage? I want to see that story. Well, they definitely reshot some of that stuff. Like, oh. there was... A whole bunch, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like that movie got some reshoots. Yeah, and I would love to see the I mean, original cut. I mean, who knows? Maybe, yeah, maybe. No but... Vader sequence at the end. Yeah. Oh, yeah, all yeah. that was tacked on and added. So yeah. like, This has nothing to do with the story, but it's cool. <laughs> it was cool. It was cool. I loved it. It doesn't work in the universe at all. But... I loved it. it my, I, I think my only beef with that scene is uh, where was that type of fighting skill in a new hope anywhere when else. he's fighting <laughs> with Ben Kenobi, you know, it's like all of a sudden he aged forty years. I, it's once again, it's why the uh, Star Wars scene thirty eight reimagined like works. Yeah. You know, it's not perfect, um, but it works. You know, yeah. and I do have an edit that somebody did of the movie that they edited that into the film. Awesome. Yeah, I, I'm a collector of edits of fan edits of Star Wars. Yeah. Like I have a lot of them at this point. It's cool. I love it. Um, yeah, well, you know what? It's it's exciting. But uh, if and if I can get a fan edit, there's no reason I can't get a director's yeah. cut on some of this shit. You so, know? but the the direction I think that Disney is taking is they are going to uh, go back in time. They're they're going pre pre old republic. They're they're going in a whole new direction. They're basically just going to drop the whole Skywalker saga, which I embrace. Embrace. I want to hear new stories new characters i am totally cool with it i think what they've done with the skywalkers is enough don't don't keep tweaking the same thing the same story let's move on yeah let's let's like even i I read a thing about you know the mandalorian is you know be exploring the the dark saber and all that kind of stuff and i'm like i don't 
I don't need space wizards in my cowboy movie. Like, just I, I like this story that you're telling me. Like, I don't need the the force and Jedi's and the Sith being inserted into this world. Yeah, but I mean, it's part of the. It's part of that world. Baby, I get it. Baby Yoda is that inlet to that world, and it's been a part of that show since the beginning. It's just a minor part. So while while you're not wrong. Um, and it shouldn't turn into, I, I do want to see more humans just shooting at each other, which was yeah. like the thing, I, it's it's the thing I loved about Solo, and I never understood why people didn't like that movie or were against loved that it. movie. When I, And I think that movie is getting more love now uh, as more people are seeing it, Yeah. to the point now that they're talking about the Lando Calrissian show on Disney+, Plus, which I'm all, own. somebody get Donald Glover in there now, like... Well, anything, any more Donald Glover, I'm happy. I it's, mean... I, I know that you've expressed your dislike because it's like, how did you get your name? Uh, the solo. movie is badly written and poorly shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Yes. Poorly shot? It is ugly. That movie is ugly. I it enjoy is it. dark it's... and muddy and not in a cool, interesting way. Is in a, I can't see what the hell's going on way. I, I loved the mud battle field. I love, I don't mind dirt and grime and all that kind of crap, but make it look interesting. It just looks so flat and color corrected. Uh, poor Mike. Remember when you used to have joy in your heart? Hey, all I right, love so... The Last Jedi, motherfucker. <laughs> well, don't let Steve hear you say that. <laughs> all right, so uh, let's transition off of uh, that. Uh, does anyone got a second chance movie or an in defense of? I guess we already did second chance, but anyone got an in defense of movie they want to uh, talk about? Um, yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, so reaching the end of Netflix, you've reached that screen where it says you, you've you ran out of movies, go do something else. Go to Pornhub specifically because yeah, they're connected. Um. Uh, we, uh, my roommate and I, uh, we found out that uh, the Twilight Saga is on Amazon Prime. So we sat down one day, <laughs> on purpose, <laughs> on purpose. And I've never, I've only seen the final. I was getting a girl at uh, one point when the the last one came out, so I saw it in theaters with that girl. Um, but I had never really sat down and watched the Twilight movies, and I will tell you, they are a freaking blast. <laughs> They are so bad. I mean, the first one is this meandering story, and they go to play vampire baseball, which is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And then all of a sudden, these three monsters come walking out of the mist, and that's when the story starts at, like, 30 minutes to the end. And you're like, what the frick is this movie? And there's, like, abortion rights movie, like, in the the Breaking Dawn Part 1. Like, the fetus. No, it's a baby. And I'm like, this vampire movie has abortion rights, you know, debate in this vampire film. It's just so fucking funny all these wolves just talking to each other psychically <laughs> and arguing with these bad CGI. It is uh, a freaking no. blast, man. So wait, so what you're telling me is that my innate hatred of those movies does not stem from the fact that the movies are bad. It's from the fact that I'm, I don't understand that they're meant to be funny. Oh, no, I... they're meant to be good, but that's what makes it funny. <laughs> it's like a troll two situation. Like you sit down with that mindset of going, this is going to be trash. And I'm going to enjoy the fuck out of this trash. I just, no. the only part of those movies that I've ever, and I've watched all of them, sadly, because of my wife. But the, the big battle sequence in the fourth one that ends up being a, a dream, it is gleefully over the top. And I love that part. But those movies are, like, they're sappy. and Oh, they're terrible. I mean, this you know, it's this 100-year-old man who's falling in love with this 16-year-old girl. It's like, I've never met anyone like you. And I'm like, what's so interesting about her? She's the most blank slate character in the world. So I I only saw the first one. I never thought of it that way. It, it's like, oh, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's twisted. Uh, 
I only saw the first one. Meanwhile, the, her, her other boyfriend wants to have sex with her daughter that's not even born yet. <laughs> uh, so when, when the first one came out, I was in the military. Uh, I was stationed in North Dakota. Midnight, in, midnight show, right? Midnight show? N- uh, no. Um, <laughs> Were you team Edward or team uh, Jacob when you saw the film the first time? So I, I had a, a bunch of young airmen that I was their supervisor, and uh, they all knew I, I'm a movie guy, you know, and and I like horror movies and things like that. And they were like, you know, hey, Sergeant Jones, are you, are you going to come to the movies with us? And I was like, uh, no, why? You know, why would I? And they were like, it's a vampire movie. I was like, oh. They're like, yeah, it's an awesome. And I was like, Twilight. Yeah, that sounds. Yeah, that sounds like a cool name <laughs> for a vampire movie. That's kind of right. Okay, yeah, I'll I'll go. So I went with probably four or five of my young airmen. You know, all early twenties. Went to the movie, watched it, and at the end, I was just like, "You guys told me this was a vampire movie." <laughs> They're like, "Yeah." Where was the vampire? Edward, the shiny skin guy? That's not a vampire. <laughs> At no point did he kill anyone. He's a vegetarian <laughs> vampire who only eats animals. He doesn't <laughs> suck blood from humans. That's not a vampire. It's a, it's a valid thing. No. You can reinvent the... I just think how... I, I enjoy how ridiculous it is. I mean, the second movie builds up to the big thrill pack conclusion. Edward's going to expose himself to the humans. And so it's like this like ticking time bomb. She's running through the streets of Rome that she got to in like 30 seconds. And she's like running through all these people in robes. <laughs> and Edward's slow, in slow-mo walking down this corridor. And he's going to throw the robe off of him and show his sparkly skin. <laughs> like in a regular vampire movie, this would be like dramatic because he's going to commit suicide with the sunlight. Yeah. Right. But it's like he was going to... Sp- Sparkle. <laughs> People will see him sparkle the humanity. And so it's just so much fun. <laughs> I, I think after watching What We Do in the Shadows, I have realized that the entire Twilight saga is energy vampires because those suckers just suck the energy out of my life. <laughs> Break, breaking or uh, one of the, the long going plots of that movie, is, especially when you look at it in the mind of this was fan fiction written by a, a Mormon mom, yeah, who basically read Fifty Shades of Grey and went, "I want something like this, just not there because I'm Mormon." So it's all about this 17 year old girl who falls in love with this older guy, and yeah. he, they want to be together, but they can't until marriage, and he's afraid of having sex with her because his dick is so powerful <laughs> it might kill her, and it's so dreamy. This man is so into me but he is afraid to have sex with me because he's so masculine and, she, <laughs> and and he lives in a, a a cultish type environment with a lot of other people with his, his super white family yeah. <laughs> that he keeps enrolling in different high schools for some reason i'm like why would you not do the homeschool route like why put this facade on every three years i would i, I will tell you why have you been in quarantine for the last eight months did you want to do that for the rest of your life <laughs> Or just pretend you're a 19-year-old and you don't have to worry about going to school. Like, he has a driver's license in the movie. He drives around in cars. I'm like, how do you get that renewed? (laughs) (laughs) These movies are so much fun to watch with a cynical lens. Or why wouldn't he just enroll in college? Yeah. Why does he know how to do everything? Like, you spend that much time on Earth, like, you you take some courses and stuff. Well, I, I mean, at a certain point, you're like, do I really need to take algebra again? Like, By you know, choice? Uh, yeah, I'm like... Of, of all the things he's choosing he to... He hung out with Pythagoras. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but of all the things he's he's choosing to experience in life, 
High school? High school, high school was your yeah, choice? Yeah, to this little podunk town and take biology lab with this, seven, this 16-year-old blank-faced girl and be like, I can't read you. I love you. <laughs> well, I don't know that you've sold me on Twilight again, Mike. Is there uh, anything else that you'd like to add to this conversation? <laughs> it was a blast. I mean, I tried rewatching Tusk. That didn't go well. So I would recommend Twilight over Tusk. Uh, Tusk is really fun for like the first hour. And then the body horror stuff doesn't necessarily go anywhere go anywhere yeah. it yeah. just sort of happens and it's like the payoff is that moment if you're gonna try and get to a deeper kevin smith stuff i really love red state i think red state that's a great movie red state yes. really is rewatchable absolutely um and there's some good performances in that film and then just when you like i kind of still wish that the twist at the end was that it was See, that's, that's a director's cut i'd want to watch oh yeah, god absolutely dude. like if yeah. it was actually the apocalypse at the end yeah, if you could get that budget oh that would have been amazing um but yeah like that's yeah but i don't know about this twilight stuff man so which was your favorite of the four because there's four of them right there's yeah. uh twilight breaking dawn um new moon, new moon and garbage breaking dawn there's, there's breaking dawn part, part one and two because they harry pottered the last book yeah and hunger games it. yeah so yeah, yeah it's like i think five movies in total four books five movies Jesus. so what was your least favorite the first one the first one until we got to Vampire Baseball. That was the, the wonkiest <laughs> shit. <laughs> and what about this? Uh, what, uh, are the sequels? What was your favorite sequel? Um, I would definitely have to go with uh, Breaking Dawn Part One. <laughs> really? It's all building up. You got the the wolf people running around yelling at each other through CGI wolf faces, <laughs> and especially if you, like you've seen the behind the foot uh, footage. Behind the scenes footage, you see that Taylor Lautner and his crew are there wearing onesies, being petted, oh, <laughs> and wow. so it's imagining all these people in onesies acting <laughs> like wolves. On set. I, I did a onesie bar crawl once, and yeah, there was a lot of petting. I, <laughs> it's believable. I am dumbfounded that they felt the need to try and like Gollum the fucking wolves. <laughs> the they're... budget on these things were so low that they didn't know what they were doing or had the money for, so they're like, let's just give some physical reference work to. <laughs> So we'll have Taylor Lautner nuzzling <laughs> Kristen Stewart. Oh my God! The set. Somebody on set must have been like, I. You can imagine that there was some grip that looked at somebody else and well, was like, "You, you watch this the, is gonna be the best movie ever." <laughs> you watch prop culture. The guy dresses fucking Roger Rabbit hanging yes. around. Yep. <laughs> Oh, all right. Let's wrap this one up right here. Uh, guys, it's been good to actually do a podcast in person again. Yes, it has. Uh, yeah. I've been podcasting with Chris over the phone since March. Um, and uh, we're going to try. I think this works. We're social distance enough that nobody's oh, going to yeah. infect each other. Um, uh, and uh, other news, uh, we've got um, we're going to start next week recording the Mike, Mike and Mickey show. Right. Yeah. So that one will that one will be out. Probably uh, we'll start getting episodes of that one out. Um, I'm guessing September end of September. Uh, and sure. then next start putting episodes in the can. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do a few. Uh, we'll do like everything we're going to do is going to be done in seasons now. So cool. uh, and then uh, starting next week. Um, you're going to get your first episode of uh, my podcast, the My Life as a Podcast. Uh, so that'll be real fun. Uh, look for that uh, Wednesday. I'm uh, looking forward to it. Get to get onto that su subscribe button. Uh, and uh, do us a favor. Tell a friend about any of the podcasts you listen to on this network. Um, we know you're still out there. We know it's been a fun quor uh, quarantine. Uh, but it's time to get back to listening to the, and get those funnies in. I hope you guys have enjoyed today's podcast. Um, once again, um, I am the closing screen on Pornhub. Up. I am the director's cut of the quarantine. And I am Taylor Lautner in a onesie. <laughs> and we hope you guys are having a nerd life crisis.
Music for the Nerd Life Crisis podcast is provided by Big Papa and the TCB. All music available at bptcb.com or at iTunes. The Nerd Life Crisis is recorded at the Inland Blue Studios. Make sure to subscribe to the Nerd Life Crisis at iTunes and like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Nerd Life Crisis. This episode of the Nerd Life Crisis Podcast is brought to you by IB Comics. IB Comics, the home of great creator-driven stories for people of all ages, including Legba's Juke Joint. The first book of a nine-book series is available now and tells the story of American music from the blues to the present. The series examines the values of American society and for what we as people are willing to trade our soul. The book has been called Smart and Clever by Mark Wade of The Flash and Superman, and Raw, Honest, and Profoundly Human by Stephen Frank, the creator of Silver and the animator on The Iron Giant. The book is available now at www.ibcomics.com. IB Comics, the home of great stories.